0: This is a podcast about the manosphere, so it may contain references to extremist misogyny and violence, and it will definitely contain lots of swears. This is a podcast about the manosphere, so it may contain references to extremist misogyny and violence, and it will definitely contain
1: lots of swears. Hey, Aileen, weird thing. Did you know that 80% of women are going for the top 20% of men in terms of dating? Uh, I did not know that because it is not true.
0: Hello and welcome to Manosphere Debunk. I am Aileen Barrett from the Instagram page Tinder Translators.
1: And I am Dan, the anonymous psychologist, otherwise known as the narcissist psychologist. And yeah, I am here today to be led by you, Aileen, in a conversation around the current playing field of dating, I believe. Yeah,
0: well, I'd say what I'm here to do is talk about the contemporary up-to-date misogynist view of what it's like and then right debunk that a bit if you were asked to sort of distill what we talked about the kind of pickup artist incel theory of dating and partnered sex and stuff like that how would you kind of sum that up from last time just for a little refresher
1: basically the idea is that it's really hard for men to date and the pickup artists the way in which they get around that by using particular types of tactics and manipulation strategies in order to it's not even to date women I think their ultimate goal is to see how many women they can sleep with so it's very sex orientated mm-hmm. so that's that and then the incel side of things are essentially <sighs> <laughs> oh yeah it is a big sign yeah, I know
0: I know I know I know I know <laughs> Yeah,
1: they're essentially the men who believe that what the pickup artists said were true but then found out that it wasn't true and were unsuccessful and failing at it. But instead of really aiming their anger towards the pickup artists that sold them a lie, somehow managed to transform their anger into hatred of, of women, because apparently they thought there was access to a certain amount of women and only a certain kind of man could obtain them. And it's all about sort of sexual marketplace value Mm -hmm. and that if you didn't have specific well if you didn't have that then there was no chance of you ever getting sex again it boils down to sex
0: yeah absolutely i'd say that that's a really good summary it's all very dehumanized for all involved and uh yeah everyone has a sexual market value but a lot of a lot of the kind of discourse in the manosphere and the stuff that's trickled out into the mainstream is based generally on the idea of of hypergamy the idea that women want to date up which i'll talk about more in a minute but it iterates in different forms of extremism depending on which bit of the manosphere and i just wanted to read this uh, quote from laura bates men who hate women a brilliant book on the manosphere so this talks about how incels sort of express their theory towards dating and, and their anger as well women so the story goes are constantly hungry for sex But they only choose to sleep with the most attractive cohort of men. Incels are obsessed with what they refer to as the 80 20 theory, which holds that the top 20% of the most attractive men enjoys 80% of the sex within our society. They lament that the sexual marketplace is brutally hierarchical, with women completely in control. And then a little bit later, further down, it says, young women are also accused of having huge amounts of sex with extremely attractive men before later settling down with less attractive men who they don't really love but ruthlessly exploit as a means of financial support. These men, sometimes referred to as beta cucks, are pitied because they are forced to spend all their money on a woman whose virginity has already been taken, who is spent, used up, and sexually worthless. Even if she does deign to occasionally allow her husband to sleep with her. Incels dub this alleged female sexual strategy as alpha fucks, beta bucks.
1: So, as in,
0: sex from the alphas, money from the betas.
1: So, <sighs> like, for one, that's just a really, really massively pessimistic outlook on the world. Okay. But secondly, like, where is the data that supports this the eighty twenty rule where is the sociological anthropological studies that demonstrate this that highlight this that actually say that this is true because otherwise it's just it's just made up bullshit, isn't it i you should ask because we're
0: going to look at some of the studies that people tried to cite now incels don't try and cite shit they don't have a frame of reference you know here's this research necessarily but the thing about not the 80 20 rule but the idea that women date up and men date down although it's always about the women dating up by the way we don't focus on maybe it's the men who don't want to date women of their status because obviously women are in charge of the sexual marketplace (sighs) but the term hypergamy um is something that's talked about far beyond the reaches of this corner of the incel internet and the eighty twenty rule and actually you hear quite mainstream people sometimes quoting that statistic as if it is a peer peer-reviewed study so i'm actually going to send you a clip from uh, scott galloway who is the professor of marketing at nyu stern and he's a very actually progressive guy In lots of ways but he has sort of become someone who talks a lot about the crisis of you you know young men with varying shades of nuance i don't think he's part of the manosphere at all i think he's very like anti-misogyny but i just want you to listen to the beginning of this clip and tell me if it sounds at all like what we were just talking about
1: there's also a crowding effect or a consolidation among actual mating. And what do we mean by that? The studies I've seen have shown, especially among men, that the majority of interest from women is expressed or allocated across a small number of men. Meaning that the small group of men who are in that their category get a ridiculous amount of interest and all the other men are shut out. You know, a lot of people would argue that it's created this social dynamic where the less attractive the lower median of attractiveness or the lower half of attractiveness among men are, are shut out of the mating market and are resentful. And it ends up being a very depressing experience, especially for men. Although it's women I hear complaining, complaining about the dating apps. I don't know if men just suffer in their own.
0: So that little throwaway comment at the end pisses me off because it's not like you could just take the qualitative evidence that women are also having a bad time on dating apps and listen to their Uh. perspective um this is a big thing that the metric of how many matches you can get on a dating app how many dates you can get how many people you can have sex with is one kind of way to measure whether or not dating is going well. There are other kinds of ways, like have you been sexually assaulted on a date? Are you respected by the people you date? Are Is there anyone who's willing to commit to you after dating or are you being led on and treated badly? Are you getting cheated on? Now, if you use those metrics, you might argue that women are having a worse time in dating, but that's not the metrics the manosphere wants to use, obviously. And I'm not saying those things don't happen to men, by the way. Of course they do. <laughs> but if we were going to look at the quantitative evidence, then obviously, Mm. like a lot of those things would be worse for women. Yeah, But um, anyway, the beginning of what he was saying.
1: Yeah, it sounds again, so he didn't necessarily use the numbers or anything like that. But he talked about the bottleneck theory. And he talked about how there being a certain median of men below a certain median that are just not getting a shoe in and all the women are focused on a, a particular cohort of individuals that are at the top of some kind of social dynamic. So yeah, I'd be interested to read those studies and I guess the the thing that I do hold in mind is that obviously I've not I've not dated for a very long time so um I've been in a committed relationship for over a decade so I actually don't know what it's like to date as a man yeah but I do know what it was like and I guess this dating is just unfair right it's not like yeah it's not even playing field all the time, but yeah, it just feels like it just feels like this is something that is taking what is a natural, difficult back and forth, has its highs, has its lows process, and creating a almost systemic problem out of it.
0: Yeah, and I think if you're looking for proof of a theory, then you can find it mm-hmm. you can find proof that women are shallow and only go for hot guys or you can find proof that all men are sexual predators and neither of those things is true but both of those things can be proved and you know you can go down certain dark rabbit holes and yep. and very much prove them and all of this kind of boils down to a belief in hypergamy which there is some truth in there is some proof that women date up and, and across and men date down and across in dating obviously the manosphere takes the evidence that, that might have and um makes it more extreme and makes it about women being shallow and you know that kind of thing so basically yeah hypergamy means marrying up and it seems to have originated in the 19th century the term and that makes sense to me because that's like the industrial revolution there's more middle classes and therefore there's probably more movement between classes in relationships you know and therefore there's these, this kind of terminology starts to get used
1: so something that evolved potentially evolved socially rather than a sort of evolutionarily biological imperative which i think is sometimes what i hear the the sort of manosphere rhetoric says yeah there's
0: a clip of jordan peterson talking about how it's very hard for women to fight against their hypergamous instinct and and people will talk about that being like yeah natural because you're trying to find the best genes you know for your baby but
1: If it were true, then everyone would be looking for almost exactly the same thing. And people don't look for the same thing. So people value different things in partners. So while some people might value money or some people might value somebody who's six foot or somebody might value somebody who's got uh, six pack abs, some people don't. Some people just want somebody who's funny, somebody who's kind, somebody who makes them feel safe, somebody who makes them feel appreciated or loved you know what i yeah. mean and that doesn't necessarily always come with social status and that doesn't always come with um a big fancy car or that doesn't always come with all the things that these podcast bros say that women want well you say that but i've
0: i've got a really scientific chart to send you that will show you that you're wrong um so i'm gonna just send that <laughs> now off, do you? it's uh... a. <laughs> This is from a blog post about hypo, hypergamy. But yeah, so could you describe the infographic that
1: I've sent you, please? Okay, so it's a, a graphic which has just got hypergamy at the top. And then, uh, so there's a column on the left-hand side with men on the left in red. And then a whole lot of like diagonal zigzags going back and forth to women on the other side. And it says, who men would happily partner with so basically it's saying that men would happily partner with women and even distribution across all sort of like levels of hierarchy or whatever i'm guessing Mm -hmm. but then on the other side of the graph is a is a similar sort of setup of men and women but uh, but then all the pairings bounce back and forth between the top three men which i'm guessing is this idea that women regardless of their social status always want the top three bros
0: yeah the the kind of top i guess 30 percent. this is so there's another graph i'm going to send you now this graph is from data from a book called Dataclism by christian rudder who was the ceo i think the ceo of okcupid so it's by christian rudder and he did a book basically using all of the kind of metadata they, they had on dating to talk about lots of different things now this is a graph that shows basically how on an attractiveness percentile which again we agreed this is a bit stupid thing to even say is a real thing how many messages a week people got men just get a lot less messages than women mm-hmm. Like women are more selective i don't think that there's any kind yeah. of sexist thing to say that it seems to be that women are more selective on dating apps and men cast a wider net if you will So women get a lot more messages Mm -hmm. than men, but both genders are more likely to receive messages if they are conventionally attractive, but the most dramatic rise being messages to women from men. So actually men are more like concentrated on looks and attractiveness than women are. Um, So that's the actual data rather than the, um, you know, Mm -hmm. silly lines graph (laughs) that it doesn't prove anything. And also... In a kind of theme of the manosphere looks like it was made on microsoft paint um <laughs> yeah so that's the kind of dating data as it were but that doesn't fit in with the narrative that is being portrayed by the the manosphere and also in general i think a lot of people would have seen there was an, uh, an article that came out a report that came out about like sex and like sexual behaviors that said that you know basically young people are having less sex and especially young men it's about 28% of men between 18 to 25 reported not having had sex in the past year. Mm-hmm. And and people kind of went mad about this, like, oh, my God, men aren't having sex. Like, it's a crisis. And it's a bit like, maybe we should talk about why that's a crisis. like, mm-hmm. And not be like, we need to get them sex. <laughs> it turns out that study also said 18% of young women hadn't had sex in the last year. It just Gen Z seemed to be having less sex. Um mm-hmm
1: overall maybe because yeah. they're
0: online more yeah overall also they don't drink as much alcohol as like millennials and gen mm-hmm. and a lot of the sex that we had as young people was probably you know yeah. just like drunken student nights type thing that student culture has changed quite a lot yeah um, and alcohol consumption and drug consumption has gone down and that probably means that more people are maybe more socially awkward but also just like not like having ill-advised Ill- one-night stands um
1: yeah just because just because younger people are having less sex doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad thing i guess it comes down to this idea that the importance that is placed on the sex like how it is some kind of passage into adulthood that must be obtained or um it needs to be done And if you don't do it, then there's something wrong with you. Whereas actually maybe the younger generation are a bit like, oh, I want to find somebody, I want to find somebody to have sex. That's a bit more meaningful rather than just sort of, um, yeah, I guess less meaningful sex maybe.
0: Yeah. It could be lots of things. And there are obviously people who are frustrated and want to have more sex and you know, that's fine. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to make a misogynist extremist ideology about it, but there is some evidence. Of, of hypergamy. Um, there is some evidence that basically says that women tend to, to partner with men who earn more than them. It used to be the case that it was also women were hypergamous in terms of university, with education levels. So they would marry up in terms of education mm-hmm. levels i've got a little clip for you this is bill meyer so which i think is a late night sort of you know opinion led talk show which has scott galloway as a guest but we're just going to watch the very beginning of it and see what bill meyer says we're we're trying to get at the root cause why are men in such crisis i mean the stats are like only 40 percent go to college so they're losing out to women there in a big way and women with degrees don't marry men who don't have degrees so (laughs) 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 great you'll be lonely forever aren't you so this kind of mainstream talk show host just says women with degrees don't marry men without degrees and obviously it's quite funny because people (laughs) then they go oh so you'll just be lonely forever and it's just like okay but is that true because it used to be the case that women married up in terms of higher education and why do you think that might have been in say the 1950s well
1: i was going to say you know again it makes sense that hypergamy probably exists both in terms of seeking a partner with more financial status but then also in terms of um university education because i guess women probably were restricted both in how much they earned but then also access to education so it probably made sense for them to if they wanted security it was probably in their best interest to find a man who could give them that and you know usually a high university education is a a good indicator that somebody will probably go on to earn a decent salary
0: yeah i think that you know before the 1970s in the uk 1960s 1970s not many people were going to university and university education was quite rare um and then that cohort the kind of people who went to uni in the 60s and 70s it was became publicly funded and you know so my parents went to university for free and i'm not bitter about it (laughs) at all and you know women started having more degrees mm-hmm. now even not on a conscious level if you live in a society where more men have higher education than women and men make generally more money than women even if you're not thinking about security you're not thinking about anything like that you're just meeting someone you like statistically you're going to end up with women being in relationships with men who make more money and have higher education than them because that is the makeup of society mm-hmm. they're not vastly hypergamous it's not we're not talking about you know a woman who dropped out of secondary school marrying a man with a phd mm-hmm. or you know a woman who uh has up, grown up in poverty marrying a billionaire mm-hmm. i mean that probably has happened but you know that's not actually the the kind of the gaps that we really see when we look at the research are actually much smaller and there is a lot of research to say that since women overtook men in terms of education it is men who are now hypergamous
1: oh so men are actually wanting to date women with um both money and also higher education
0: well not the money bit oh (laughs) men are educatedly hypergamous now all of these studies none of them cite actual intent so when you're saying men now want women with more education than them no that they, what they're looking at is who who has the highest level of education who earns the most and extrapolating back from that that it is hypergamy that's causing it right so they're not asking women why did you marry your husband and she's saying oh because he had a master's degree you're just saying like oh, what what level of education do you have and what does your husband have and then if you have a lower ed- education level then you're educationally hypergamous same with money same with social status it's not really no one's actually measuring not very much anyway there is one study that's got Galloway quotes that I'm going to get to in a minute but intention it's just yeah. how it ends up
1: yeah so what they've done is taken how people end up in relationships and what the makeup of that relationship is and then looked at the the various different mm-hmm. factors and if a man or a woman has a higher education or a higher salary they've taken that as the person has married or gone to that relationship because that person has a higher degree which it's not it's just that's how it was or that's how the relationship ended up being yeah. oh that's interesting
0: yeah so i'm going to send you a um, a little bit of text for you to read out do some reading aloud for us okay. um but it's a study of french women uh, and hypergamy in education Okay.
1: In France, since the cohort born in the late 1950s, couples where the woman is more educated than her partner are more frequent than the reverse. This trend is mainly attributable to the lengthening of female education and reflects a shift in individual preferences. While the highest educated women in the pre-war birth cohorts were strongly disadvantaged on the marriage market, we observe that female permanent singlehood no longer increases with educational level.
0: What's being said there effectively is that you know as society has evolved um, women have got more educated women haven't had to choose between career and, and marriage um, but what's happening now is because society's changed the structure of relationships is changing rather than it being like a disaster for men because women will not marry a man who hasn't doesn't have a degree like that's not really what's happening but it's being talked about like it's fact in the mainstream and that's what's annoying is you see these manosphere things and then you see the mainstream discussions and they're so close to each other you know they use more sensitive language and i don't think that it's of an ill intent i don't think it's a manosphere conspiracy to get You know professor scott galloway to start spouting their nonsense i think he believes it and he cares about men but it's straight out of the manosphere this Mm. stuff and you're using the lens of manosphere thinking to interpret studies that don't say what you say they say Mm -hmm. yeah there's other studies that there's one that says educational hypergamy in women is declining and that's a review of 27 european countries Mm -hmm. so there's like really big data to say that when women have the higher status hypergamy reverses
1: okay
0: now we mentioned money though so i don't want to skip over that there's a clip another scott galloway clip i think it might be on steve Stephen podcast you know Steve mm-hmm.
1: Stephen bartlett
0: the diary of the ceo podcast it might be on that one but anyway i've heard him quote a thing that says you know we need to talk about the fact that women how they choose a mate because these all of these people talk about it mate. as mating yeah. which is that you know 70% of women say that a man being able to provide is is important to them and only 25% of men say that a woman being able to provide for him is important you know so that's kind of directly saying that women are hypergamous and so if men aren't doing as well then people are going to have get together less that study is an opinions study and yes that's what it says but it also says that 70 if it's 71% of women that say it's important for what they actually say is is important for a man to be able to provide for his family and when men are asked the same question 72% of men also say it's important for a man to be able to provide for their family and a higher percentage of women say that it's important for women to be able to provide for their family i think it's like maybe like in the 30s percent or something than men do so what you're actually looking at there is an example of how societal biases harm everyone and still put an emphasis Mm -hmm. on men being financial providers which can be a really big factor in male bad mental health you know you see a lot of men falling apart when they lose their job Mm -hmm. or lose their house seeing as complete failure that has come from this patriarchal idea that men should be the providers so saying that you know that's that survey says that society still thinks that way right it doesn't say directly women are only basing their choices of men on you know wealth or whatever so i just want to make sure we really cover all all bases here because uh, this kind of hypergamy shit is everywhere and i really wanted to do a good sort of discussion and debunking of it as a theory not to say that it doesn't happen but just to say like the intent the the way it's framed the intentions behind it have not no basis in data there's basis in data to say that women end up in relationships with men who make more money than them sure but men make more money than women (laughs) like so how how would they not and i (laughs) Mm. think there's something that really shows this and that is in this article with a hypergamy It's a kind of you know review of a lot of stuff about hypergamy they talk about a, a demographer's research and I'll put all the links to what I've referenced here, looking at couples in the 1980 census and in the 2012 American Community Survey. And she found that during the intervening decades, though wives became more likely to marry down in terms of educational achievement, and this is a quote, the tendency for women to marry men with higher incomes than themselves persisted. In fact, women with the same or more education than their husbands were most likely to marry up in terms of wealth. Now, That could sound like, yeah, even educated women, even if they don't care about degrees, they still want to marry men who have more money than them. But if you step back from it, if you think it all the way through, actually, you could flip the interpretation and say, even when women have the same or higher levels of education as their husbands, their husbands are likely to earn more than them. Mm -hmm. And that the agency being placed on women in that scenario, that women are refusing to marry men who earn less than them, is actually just rooted in misogyny, in my opinion. You yeah. know, yeah. so yeah, it might surprise people to hear at the end of this podcast. I don't think that there are twenty percent of men going around having sex with eighty percent of women, and I don't think women base their relationship choices on money or status or power or education. I mean, I'm sure there are some that do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone's a dickhead, right? Like, there's just dickheads of every gender. And
1: uh-huh. of course,
0: if you're going to talk about the evolutionary and the blah blah blah, you have to cut out the idea that ten percent of people are dating the same gender as them anyway. You know yeah so that's like a spanner in the works that we don't really need to talk about but like sort of debunks everything because it's like what do lesbians do what do gay men do
1: exactly so
0: it's very heteronormative mm-hmm. it's very sexist and um it's it's not that it's not true that's the annoying thing it's that it's it's so much more complicated
1: yeah and i think the thing that i found most fascinating was how the data is extrapolated and with everything that we've talked about, and everything that you've mentioned in terms of men more like being likely to have higher education and higher earnings, how that then is viewed as women purposefully going after that, rather than it being a natural settling of the status quo. It's really yeah. fascinating. I've not I've not really thought about it that way before.
0: Oh, well, mm. thanks. In my next
1: book. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you know what i should actually mention on the podcast i wrote a book um write a book everyone go buy it anyway bye (laughs) (laughs) um lols to the bye but actually this is the end of the episode that is what i've got to say about the whole 80 20 Mm. theory of um dating and there's so much more as you know i have actually written a book about misogyny and dating to be said about how hard it is for women in dating and how we come up against so much grossness and misogyny Um, And maybe we'll do another episode at some point. But um, I really just wanted to focus on the kind of hypergamy bullshit that is rife everywhere. And now I've Mm. talked about it. You'll see it in places because it is so
1: rife. Well, thank you very much. That has been um, very illuminating.
0: Yeah. So um, go out there and grab yourself a rich man, ladies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because it's your uh, predetermined evolutionary uh, innate built-in purpose.
0: Yeah, and um, have a great week to the 20% of men who are getting all of the sex.
1: God, they must be tired.
0: (laughs) If you enjoyed today's episode of Manosphere Debunked, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you listen. You can also send questions, suggestions and thoughts to manospheredebunked at gmail.com all of the materials referenced in this podcast are linked in the show notes.